Good morning. Um, if you don't know the story of Esther, you're perhaps wondering what on earth that all was. Um, who were these people with their strange names and what on earth was going on there? Um, and it's part of a bigger story. Uh, which we will get onto. Um, but first, um, the last time I spoke, because uh, I don't speak too regularly at Christchurch, someone offered a little suggestion afterwards that I perhaps should have introduced myself a bit better. And I could have been quite upset by this. I could have thought, well, you know, this is the church community I consider myself a part of. Surely everyone knows who everyone is and we all know and love each other. And then he walked away from me and I thought, I haven't got a clue who he is. <laughs> So I thought I'd, I'd eat some humble pie and, um, <laughs> and uh, break the ice a little bit. My name is David Tabner. Um, I am 99% of the time nicknamed Tabs. Um, I'm from Southport with Northern Irish and Lancashire heritage. Um, I was born into a family of Methodist local preachers and retired overseas missionaries. Um, so I kind of grew up in a family where it was quite easy to piggyback of other people's faith uh, and to just go with the flow and go to church and stuff like that but it it never really seemed to have much impact on my life or at least I didn't realize it did at the time until I was 15. Um, when I was 15 I decided that I wanted to have my own personal faith and so I asked Jesus into my life and that changed my life quite dramatically. Uh, I remember experiencing God's love, encountering the Holy Spirit, and all my plans for my life went completely out the window. Um, and I spent the years after that going on quite the roller coaster um, with Jesus, and it is all thanks to God. Um, I also have a wife called Hetty. Um, she's involved in all sorts of things here, you might see it. Um, and in my day job, I work for Southport and Area Schools Worker Trust. Um, which is a nice long-winded name um, because those sort of things were cool in the 90s, um, although a bit of a tongue twister for various teachers. Um, but yeah, um, so uh, this Southport and Area Schools Worker Trust. It's a charity in Southport. Um, it works with children and young people in schools, creating safe spaces to explore the big issues of life and faith. And so day to day, you might find me visiting various primary schools and secondary schools in Southport and the surrounding area, doing assemblies, uh, lessons, workshops, different presentations and productions and things like that. Uh, after school clubs, you might find me in the high school yard doing uh, drop-ins uh, around well-being and things like that uh, with young people. Um, and it is, it, there's a lot of stuff goes on. I've been involved in it for eight years now. Some of you who have been around for that time are thinking, wow, um, I didn't realise Tabs was that old. Um, but there we go. Um, <laughs> no one's thinking that. Um, and uh, if you do want to know more, there is always, I think, some leaflets in the welcome area um, where you could have a little read off that. Um, those eight years that I've been involved, I've, I think, have been really quite a journey. Um, lot has a lot has happened in that time. Uh, we've expanded the staff team. We've had all sorts of interns uh, from different parts of the world come and join us. Uh, we've, um, we've started a sports programme, we've, um, we've run all sorts of big Christian music events and things like that. Um, a lot has happened, but what I feel most inspired about 
at the moment is what we are seeing happening amongst children and young people at such a time as this. There seems to be like a collective sense at the moment amongst those working with children and, and young people that there are great needs within that generation at the moment, um, but that God has put us in a certain place at a certain time in history to bring something for them uh, as the Christian church. Uh, for this time in history, for such a time as this, uh, which has been a real theme uh, this year for us. Uh, and so as I've been going around different churches and visiting, I've shared this message of for such a time as this from the story of Esther. And, and it seems to have been like a golden thread that's weaved through all sorts of conversations, um, whether that's uh, work things for me, whether it's my personal life, um, whether it's the personal lives of people I've spoken to, uh, my friends. Um, I know some of our trustees on the Schools Worker Trust have found that this is something that's really been weaving through their lives and speaking to them. And so my hope is that it will speak to us this morning here at Christchurch. So, the story of Esther. Um, it's a pretty great example of being in the right place at the right time, um, but with all sorts of challenges in there as well. Um, having that opportunity to really make a difference. Um, we heard from Linda, uh, our reading, um, but a bit of background. Um, Esther was a Jew, and she was part of the, uh, the Jewish nation in a time where they'd been exiled and scattered all across um, all across the Middle East, ended up in Persia um, under the rule of King Xerxes. It wasn't too bad compared to some Old Testament kings, um, but even so, they were out of their homeland um, and they were under his rule. Um, and King Xerxes, uh, he lost his wife, which is quite sad. Um, and so he went on the prowl and thought, you know, I'll find myself another wife. And he came upon Esther this beautiful um, Jewish uh, girl. And he decided, I'll have you as my wife. And they got married. Um, and so he had a new queen, new queen, Queen Esther. What a position to have. You'd think at this point, things were really looking up from the Jews, wouldn't you? Yeah? One of their kind has just married the king of the land they've been exiled to. However, the king also had a second in command. This second in command was a bit of a dude. He was called Heyman. And Heyman thought quite highly of himself. Heyman thought, you know, if I'm the second in command, everyone should bow to me as well, because I'm Heyman. Mordecai, though, one of the Jews, took exception to this and was like, I'm only going to bow to God. Heyman took this quite personally, had a bit of a complex perhaps, um, wasn't too keen on the idea of people not bowing to him, and so he um, decided to deceive the king, pay him off, and have this whole plan of the annihilation of the Jews and have them all killed and slaughtered. So, Mordecai has a word with Esther, who's now the queen. And the queen is having all these opportunities where the king is saying, if you want anything, let me know. You're my queen now. Um, what, what, can, what can you do? You've got this royal position. And so Mordecai says, do not think that because you are in the king's house, 
You alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. For such a time as this, Esther was to use this opportunity in the palm of her hands that she could have very easily not used, um, but to use this opportunity in the palm of her hands um, to change history, to free the, uh, the Jewish people from their destruction. And thankfully, she did. Let's pray. Let's bring ourselves before God in our worship this morning and ask that he speak, speaks to us about this moment in history. What our part is to play in this moment, that for each of us personally and collectively, Lord, you would speak through your holy word to us. Amen. So, have a think for me. Can you think of a time when you have found yourself in the right place at the right time? Maybe it's uh, you've noticed something about to drop off the counter in the kitchen and you've just caught it in time. Or, um, or maybe it's being in the shop and you've needed to get, get the last item um, off the shelf and you're like, yes, I was in the right, time, right place at the right time. Uh, this happened, almost happened to me um, recently. Um, Hetty and I had been isolating with COVID a few weeks back. Um, coming out of that, we decided we should give the house a deep clean. Um, and so Hetty had this plan where we'd make all sorts of homemade cleaning products out of distilled vinegar. And so I was sent to the shop to buy three bottles of distilled vinegar, which isn't something I often do. Um, and I was walking around forever looking for them. And then eventually I found on the bottom shelf, on one of the aisle, three bottles of distilled vinegar left. And I thought, yes, I'm in the right place at the right time. Unfortunately, though, someone else was there first. They were in the right place at the right time. She picked up one bottle and I thought, oh, OK, maybe we can manage with two. Put it in a basket. She picked up another bottle and I was like, wow, she likes her vinegar. Um, I, I, but I was like, maybe one bottle we can manage. And then what did she do? She picked up the third one. She was in the right place at the right time. And I happily smiled and blessed her um, and, and walked away quietly. Um, yeah. Um, but she was in the right place at the right time. I don't know about you. Maybe it's times, occasions where you've witnessed um, accidents or incidences where you've had to step in, um, be the person to call 999 or, or whatever. Being in the right place at the right time. What does that look like for us today, being for such a time as this? Not just in those little moments, but in the bigger picture of our lives too. I am amazed in the ways that I've seen the Christian church adapt in, in so many ways over um, the last couple of years. For some churches, they've adapted in order to play it safe, um, to, to keep themselves in their sort of survival mode, um, and they've, they've done whatever it takes to keep going. For other churches, I've seen um, people really step up and step out to meet the needs of the world around them whether that's supporting the isolated 
in our community, whether that's um, getting involved with different charities and food banks, supporting vulnerable people, the refugee project that happened here, all sorts of things like that, um, seem to, for me, echo this story of being for such a time as this. Like before the pandemic, um, in my work in the Schools Worker Trust, um, it was, things were really taking off. It was really quite exciting. Um, our primary schools work was going really strong and our secondary school work uh, seemed to be really at a, going at a pace that I'd never seen before. And we were involved in all sorts of things. We were running something called the Higher Tour, which was where we had um, some really great Christian bands from Manchester come over and they were visiting the schools, doing concerts and lessons and things like that. And at the end of the week, we had this huge concert with them at the Floral Hall, where hundreds of young people came to and uh, heard the gospel and responded. Um, but then a couple of weeks later, we had a, we had a lockdown. The first lockdown, this pandemic thing all happened. And um, we, like so many other different parts of society, youth ministry was, well, decimated, really. It fell apart. Um, so much so that we made a documentary all about our journey uh, through the pandemic and got some uh, national voices of children and youth works and teachers um, and some different charities involved in that as well. For you, this morning... I have made a very abridged version of that documentary um, with just a few minutes to give you a bit of a highlight reel um, of that story and how we felt for such a time as this is part of our story over the last couple of years. So hopefully, all being well, Matthew will play it. Group stopped, contact paused, in-person schools ministry restricted. Relationships were affected, volunteers were lost, young people were isolated. And sadly, some youth groups, through no fault of the practitioners, were decimated. So when the pandemic hit, we really lost that sense of community in our school, which we really thrive on. We were suddenly all teaching from a home, juggling our own children, as well as home learning. Uh, with a class that we couldn't see anymore and we really did miss that sense of family and worship and getting together. So there we were, locked down, in a house, together, but by some sort of miracle we decided to start sharing a house with our friend Emily who happens to be the children and youth pastor at Christchurch and so we decided to make videos together and then all this video equipment just started turning up that Tabs had ordered and our lounge was taken over by this huge green screen sheet and studio lights and we couldn't watch TV or do anything because the lounge was just full of stuff. And Tabs just kept ordering things and then switched into this video editing robot right around the clock. They were always on the end of an email to us. They had worships online the children absolutely loved. We were fortunate that our school used Tabs and Hetty's video assemblies. We watched them in our class. They were really good and different each week. Fun and exciting. I am glad that we were able to learn more about God and what it means to be a Christian. 
It was a real highlight of the children's week and actually was a sense of continuity for the children. They're absolutely amazing. I'm, they're really fun because of all the different games you can play. We were writing lots of um, scripts for our video assemblies and Tabs was there making them into videos and animating things, including a full-on 45-minute long Christmas production and online Mission Impossible escape rooms, hours of work going into YouTube channel and social media. Um, I liked um, when you did the Christmas videos, uh, that they were super funny. It makes me much happier and whenever I'm having a really sad day, it can make me feel happy. So, fast forward a bit. And we suddenly get an email out of the blue from a secondary school asking if we could help mentor a young person who was really struggling and would regularly ask about us and when we'd be back in school. Like, we'd barely heard anything from most of our high school contacts. And, and then next minute, we're, we're back in having meetings. We, uh, and we're, we're looking at our high school flagship piece of work, our lunch clubs, our safe spaces to explore the big issues of life. And, and we're like, these really aren't going to work inside a classroom right now, but could we go outside? It felt like youth workers across the town were feeling more and more motivated to innovate again, but not digitally this time. This time it was about getting outdoors, into the community. Young people were fed up of being at home, in front of the devices, and more and more you could see them suddenly emerging onto the streets. We, we felt like this real prompting to just get out there. Let's do detached youth work and let's shape our school's work to look like that too. We had this donation of a pop-up gazebo that we, we got all safe space banners for and branded up safe space youth worker hoodies. Uh, and, and, and a week later, we were in high schools in the yard, having hundreds of conversations with young people in the space of one lunchtime. Desperate to talk about the last two years, to catch up with us, to check in. Some telling us how much the higher tour had made a difference to them, forming their friendship groups, forming their faith just in time. And the staff were like, wow, this is so needed right now. And we were like, why didn't we always do this out here instead of hiding away in a classroom? We started working around the other secondary schools in the area, letting them know. And, and they're like, yes, this is exactly what we need. Let's do it. It's more important than ever that we get positive people into our schools right now to start speaking words of affirmation into them and, and encouragement. But not only that, just to be a safe space to listen and let the young people feel free to talk. I think that the safe space in my school has helped people to stay motivated and look after their mental health. They just make me really happy. I'm glad that they like it's like they understand the kids and they understand how we feel. I've just started in high school, which is a big step from primary school. But I'm really pleased that Hetty and Tabs come into school at lunchtime so I can chat to them about anything I want. So why is schools, ministry and youth work so needed right now? Where are young people most of their days? They're in school. Sadly, they're not in the church. Historically, they may have come to us, whether it be a youth club, an event or a tradition. However, now more than ever, we need to go to them. They need us to go to them. 
There's an opportunity that we have right now, a call, a cry to go into their world, to offer an answer to their questions, to offer hope in their despair, good news in a world full of bad news. So the, uh, the full version of that is on YouTube. Um, but what has this season taught me? Uh, it's taught me that there's a challenge for all of us, a challenge to stop and to ask the last question of what are we called to for such a time as this? What are you called to? Sat here at Christchurch this morning or watching online, what are you called to for such a time as this? What are the needs that you see around you, in your uh, family, in your community, in wider society? Maybe it's needs within your family, social needs, financial needs, emotional needs, or just the broader need to, the ultimate need, essentially, to know Jesus. There might be all sorts of practical needs that you see around you. We live in a very uh, polarised town um, where there are some very rich pockets, but also some pockets of our town, including the one that we're sat in right now, in the top 10% deprived areas in the country. All sorts of needs. And what are the opportunities that you have within that to be an Esther and to make a difference? Maybe, I mean, we, we're very blessed here that we have quite an active church um, and so there's a lot going on that we can get involved in. There's lots of opportunities to serve. Um, and if you're interested in what those might be, maybe next week at the annual uh, meeting, um, you, you can find out some more of what those things are. Um, one that I'm quite excited about at the moment is kids and youth. Um, I'm really excited to see the way kids and youth work in this church is starting to really take off a little bit more again. Um, and maybe I'm biased, um, but I, I think that's definitely something that I would love people to get involved in and to, to see um, that kids' work isn't just a babysitting service for church families, but actually what they do is church. They are worshipping Jesus and getting to know him and growing in their own faith in such an attractive way that I believe it won't be too long before their friends will want to come and, and we'll be growing church from children up we'll be making disciples from, from children up. If you're not excited by that, um, sorry, but that, that's a great thing to be involved in. That would be so, so good. The danger is that we can go into survival mode. Because Esther could have kept quiet, couldn't she? She could have kept herself to herself, um, but she resisted that temptation. As hard as it maybe was, some of the risks involved in that, um, Esther was called to speak up for those that couldn't speak up for themselves. Um, and I wonder, who are those people for us? Who is the Holy Spirit putting on your heart and your mind when you think about that? People that can't speak up for themselves. God has given us his heart for the people and the world around us. Firstly, as individuals, but secondly, as a church, nationally and globally even. We have so many incredible opportunities 
We have a voice. We have resource. And most of all, we have hope. We have truth. We have love. Sometimes it's, it's right to ask that question, is my faith in survival mode? Am I just doing the bare minimum? Just turning up to make up the numbers and, and because a little bit of community and tradition feels, feels good for me? Or are you ready to respond to whatever God is calling you to flourish in at such a time as this? We're all called to serve. It's clear to me when I look at Jesus and I look at his disciples and I look at the way he was and the way he taught that we are all called to serve. It's what Jesus did. It's what he taught his disciples to do. It's simple, basic Christian discipleship, Christian life. Having a calling isn't just something for someone who likes wearing a white collar around their neck. As wonderful as those people are, um, that's a, a very specific calling. But we are all, as followers of Jesus, called. We are all called. What is it that you feel called to for such a time as this? And if you don't know what you're feeling called to right now, a few practical things maybe um, would be to stop and look at where you find yourself, your, where you're positioned, and pray into that and ask God, what do you want me to do here in these situations? Um, secondly would maybe to have a bit of a step back and think about your whole life calling and what you're called to, what makes you who you are. And the Cultivate course would be a great opportunity for that. Um, what are the dreams that you have for your life or had for your life, the visions that you have or had for your life? And not just vocational, by the way. Um, if, you, if you're not coming to Cultivate or, or whatever, um, or if you want to do a little bit more thinking about this and you're into podcasts, um, at risk of sounding like Simon Renison right now, I would highly recommend a recent sermon series from John Mark Homer, which you can access on podcasts, on all your podcasting devices and things, um, all about identity and calling. Because the last practical thing I would say is if you really want to look at your own calling in life and where that comes from in terms of your identity, open up Paul's letter to the Ephesians and spend some time in there. Because the first few chapters, there's some great stuff about our identity in Christ. And then he gets to chapter four, where he says to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Our calling comes out of our identity in Christ and who he's called us to be. Um, yeah, my prayer is that whether that question has prompted you in any way and spoken to you in any way this morning or whether it's just been an opportunity to hear some nice things about young people, and my prayer is that you've had space here and you will have space here to dwell on God's purpose in your life, to grow in him as you step up to serve him however you are called for such a time.